mm-hmm. and issues of poverty. So let's just break it down from the very beginning. I just want to get right to the to the meat of it. You know, the right will say things like, you know, well, this is just about bootstraps. This is just about, you know, people finding it, finding it within themselves to pull themselves up from poverty, to get an education, to go out and get a job, and then make their own life better. But then you'll see the left that'll say, well, this is really about, you know, help. This is really about government programs. This is about, you know, having that opportunity, you know, through a government program or through government spending to try and lift them up that way. Well, neither one of those, of course, like any public policy issue, it's just not that simple. Mm. And so where's the happy medium? Like, what's your approach to, you know, to take from each one of those camps and how you think about resolving this issue of poverty? Well, you're right. I mean, it's not there out in your face every day, but it is right behind the curtain because many people are living in poverty Mm -hmm. today and are dealing with issues of how do they pay for their bills? How do they pay, put food on the table? How do they save for whatever it may be that's going to come up? You know, recently there was a study that showed that um, 65% of Americans don't have a thousand dollars in their bank account. Mm -hmm. So if, if they, you know, if they need to change their tires or something like that, they're already behind. And so Mm -hmm. it's a major issue that we need to deal with. And it should be one that's bipartisan or nonpartisan, because mm-hmm. if from the left or from the right, oftentimes they get the thing wrong when they oftentimes will look at is the amount of material things that people have. Mm-hmm. But really, it's about the social capital. It's about the community and a job of how all that brings things together. Um, and we have safety net programs that are in place. So the right saying that those need to go away, that's not going to happen overnight. Right. And those who say we just need to spend more money. Well, let's look at what each dollar is already doing. And unfortunately, it's not all going to the people we're trying to help. And so it's got to be a combination of these things that really come together to help people, you know, get back on their feet again, because they're not looking to be in welfare or on these safety net programs for a long right. period of time. Right. And and you approach that you've written that, you know, your approach here is that part of the reason why we can't come up with the right policy solutions is because the way we think about poverty is wrong. And you, you mentioned a little bit about, you know, people just think, you know, not being in poverty means having things or having stuff. What do you mean by, you know, we think about poverty the wrong way? Well, I think we really do (laughs) think about it the wrong way in the sense of how much material things does someone have? How much money do they have in their pocket? And whenever you look at it from that angle, you're missing so much more. Um, Mm -hmm. Just because somebody has money in their pocket doesn't mean that they're going to be rich Mm -hmm. or they're going to be prosperous because then they don't know how to spend it. And so you've got to be able to look at the full picture of what somebody that's dealing with these issues are really going through. Mm -hmm. Do they have the family? Do they have the community behind them and the support that they need to overcome the obstacles that are in their way? And and unfortunately, you know, some of the obstacles are from government. Whether, you know, we could talk about this, but occupational licensing, criminal Mm -hmm. justice reform, some of those things, transparency within the workforce of how to make better matches when you want to go out and find a job. But if we just look at the financial part of it, we should be winning this war on poverty Mm -hmm. that LBJ brought together in the 1960s. We should be winning this war. We're spending trillions of dollars, and yet we're not. We still got some major problems that are out there. So it's not a money material thing. Mm -hmm. It's something else that's a change in the psyche, a change in how we're approaching people and bringing them back to community and family and not just another another check. And, and so we're going to get into some of those specific reforms, but I really like that a, a change in the psyche, not just for people who are trapped in poverty, but for the people who are actually trying to come up with the solutions themselves. Now, I know this isn't one of those issues that you deal with a lot of issues at Texas Public Policy Foundation at, um, you know, with spending issues and budget and all that stuff. But this is something that is that is more personal, more meaningful for you. Um, you know, you didn't just wake up one day and say, you know what, I want to sit around and think about ways to alleviate, you know, decades old poverty problems. Talk a little bit about why this is something that that you're particularly interested in. 
Well, I mean, you know, growing up in South Houston, Texas, uh, loving mother and father, my mother, my, they got divorced when I was a young, uh, there was a single mom, single parent. And so I saw her struggles mm-hmm. going, you know, growing up and everything. Uh, I had the opportunity to have some, um, go to private school, then to public school, then homeschool, just given some family income and everything. Um, and then, you know, I started playing a rock, rock band for a while, you know, <laughs> as a drummer in a rock band, you started living a little bit on the edge of the, the, the law for a little while. Um, but you know, I got in a big car accident and everything and I'm to go through all the details, but the the key point is here is that through the grace of God, I was able to overcome those obstacles, but mm-hmm. given the opportunities that I had seen. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that in my own family and in others, there are so many opportunities that maybe we overlook and we don't, we lose sight of what those opportunities are before us. And so what I really wanted to do is kind of my calling is to help others. Mm -hmm. Uh, I say this a lot, let people prosper, but it's really about getting people in a situation where they can overcome whatever those obstacles may be. Mm -hmm. And it goes back to my childhood and overcoming things, um, getting a PhD in economics and so forth. But I I really believe that people have it within themselves Mm -hmm. to overcome it. It, it, But, but sometimes, you know, it's about not having that voice, not having that purpose to be able to do whatever they find that's already what I believe is God given into them. And and from a public policy standpoint, was there, you know, was there a moment when you thought, you know, when it really clicked for you basically, which said, you know, Oh, that's what this is about. Or Mm -hmm. that's that, that's what I see in terms of the opportunity. And then how did you fold that into, you know, we want to, we want to turn that into public policy. We want, we want people to, to have that opportunity, whether they, whether it clicks for them or not, we want to fix public policy so that everybody sees it the way that I saw it when I kind of made that moment to, to, to go for those opportunities. I think the main thing that came to me is education, mm-hmm. right? Is making sure that I got a high school diploma. Uh, and then once I did that, I got a full-time job, right? And I mm-hmm. mean, that job helps me to seek, have connections with a network of people around me, mm. what we call social capital, where it's the community, it's the, um, you know, look, I used to tag clothes for Pilgrim Cleaners for a while, <laughs> and I worked the front desk and as a cashier. And so I'm talking to people every day. You're building social capital. You are building a network around you that's helping you learn those skills that are going to last a lifetime. And that's one thing about it with, you know, um, also being in the, the welfare system and safety nets for so long, my, myself included growing up, was that you lose that. You lose that connection when you're on a safety net or something else mm-hmm. because you don't have that day-to-day interaction. And so that social capital isn't there to help you overall. Um, and again, you're just focusing on the material things. So I think the education, and this is what we call a success sequence. Mm. Uh, it's been more formalized now to where you graduate high school, you get a full-time job, and you get married before kids. That's highly correlated with prosperity or less poverty over time. Mm-hmm. Now, there are holes within that. And that's what we are trying to do within the Alliance for Opportunity is to start to fill some of those holes. So why, you know, as I mentioned at the top uh, in the intro, you know, there it feels like every decade, maybe even, you know, every generation has tried to attack this in some kind of big way. Um, and here we are, you know, in the 2020s and, and we're still, we're still talking about trying to alleviate poverty. Uh, you know, some approaches have worked. I think a lot of people would look back at the welfare reform, the bipartisan welfare reform of the 1990s and look at a lot of reforms and say that those worked, but why now is, is, as have things changed? Is the pandemic giving us an opportunity here really to look at, at poverty issues again, but but why is now a really good time to be to be you know focusing on this and trying to make new reforms? The first thing that comes to mind is when Reagan said, "If not now, when? And mm-hmm. if not us, who?" And mm-hmm. I think now is the time. You know, 1996 was the last welfare reforms. That's a long time ago. 
you know, and so we, there are a lot of things that have happened over that period of time where many people have fallen into poverty. Um, and then over the last couple of years with the pandemic and the shutdowns and just the 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 connections that aren't there anymore um and many people have dropped out of the labor force mm -hmm. right i mean we've got an unemployment rate that sounds good at the national level and even in texas but a lot of people have been disconnected where they've just dropped out of the labor force because now they can be on these safety net programs without a work requirement mm -hmm. so they're disconnected again from that social capital and everything else and so what i see is that this is a grand opportunity to re-message thing, rebrand it, redefine what this really is about dealing with poverty, where, as we just mentioned, it's not about material possessions and things of that nature. It's really about changing the mindset so that people can overcome the obstacles that are given to them with these opportunities. Mm -hmm. So we're bringing about you know, self-sufficiency, hope, community, those things that really bring us together to have that purpose in our, in our life. And so I really think this is a good opportunity. And in particular, within these three states that we're working in, with mm -hmm. Texas, here at the UPF, Georgia Center for Opportunity in Georgia, and the Pelican Institute in Louisiana, we're really trying to make this um, connection there first and then spread across the nation to so proof of concept so we can get more changes at the federal level. So I want to talk a little bit about that and 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 kind of talk to our audience about what that effort is. Um, that is something that, that you're calling the Alliance for Opportunity. It is a collaboration between three other state think tanks, state-based think tanks, as you mentioned, in Georgia uh, and in Louisiana. So it's just kind of starting this coalition, starting this collaboration to have an ambitious goal of eliminating poverty for a million people in in our various three states. Talk a little bit about that effort. We, you know, you just launched the website um, uh, um, allianceforopportunity.com, mm -hmm. uh, and you have something on there called the roadmap. Mm -hmm. Just very high level, thirty thousand foot. What is the roadmap? You know, you talk about the sequence. I guess that's what the analogy is, right? Like we start from the beginning. We have a sequence of events that take us down the roadmap. What is that sequence, and and how do we get to a point where we're, you know, now helping folks get out of poverty? So we're excited, and this is a great opportunity. A million people out of poverty um, here with the next, you know, five, 10 years. We're really looking at focusing on that, and I'm excited about it in so many ways. Um, with this roadmap, if you start going through the website, allianceforopportunity.com, you'll notice that there are a number of opportunities that we have where, you know, we have 50, 60 policy items that we're breaking down. Here's the background for the policy. Here's the problems that we're facing. Here is the solution. And then here's how to implement the solution. Mm -hmm. That's what I think really makes this different is that this is a roadmap for someone who wants to help alleviate poverty to go to go on the website and see step by step what they could do. So this is for lawmakers, policymakers, activists, innovators, whoever wants to join this fight. All the above. So it's not the, one of the fascinating things about, you know, there's this kind of a three-step process here uh, on your website. You have, um, you know, fix the programs, one, you know, because obviously a sinking ship is not going to help anybody. So you've got to <laughs> fix the programs, uh, change the metrics and the goals, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's kind of what you were talking about earlier about thinking mm -hmm. differently about alleviating poverty is like, well, we've got to change what we measure and change what our goals are. And the one I wanted you to touch on briefly while we have a couple minutes left is this idea of an exit strategy, mm -hmm. right? I feel like, you know, even, you know, Republicans and Democrats, liberals and conservatives can get along on this, you know, on this journey together for, for public policy right up until there's the point where, you know, conservatives generally will try and say, well, you, you know, get a certain amount of help, but then you're on your own versus liberal policies that get people stuck in dependence. Like that, that issue of what the exit policy is, or exit strategy is, I feel like that's something new and something that you guys are adding to this debate uh, for the first time. Can you talk about a little bit about what that exit strategy is? 
Yeah, it, it, it really goes to the point of self-sufficiency. What mm-hmm. our hope is, is that through these initiatives that we're putting together, which is safety net reform, improving workforce development, and restorative justice to people, that those will give people the tools. It's not just doing these policies for doing the policy's sake. Mm-hmm. This is about helping people be able to overcome these obstacles, to your point. So when they get o- off of these programs, they are living a more successful, prosperous mm-hmm. life. So they don't they don't fall back into the old ways of doing things. Yeah, and we talk about I know this is terrible concept of the you know the benefits cliff, right? Like that's one of the things that gets people stuck back in dependency is this idea that like well as I prosper as I continue to make more money or do better in my job I'll lose things like you know childcare benefits and that kind of thing. Are you addressing those kinds of things that have been you know the plague this effort for the last forty years? We are. I mean, one you're you're right. You have these welfare cliffs that are going on. How do we overcome some? of those and you can't get in rid of them entirely because we need work requirements or training or education that's going to help people to get more income. So if they get more income, there's going to be some reduction in the safety nets that they're receiving. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they should be smoothed out. And that's what we're working on for a lot of these programs or a lot of these safety net reform initiatives. At the same time, giving them the tools so whenever they get off the program, they're able to succeed. Mm-hmm. So that's why we're connecting them with these case-based community managers. Mm -hmm. So it's not just a government bureaucrat uh, who is pushing papers for them saying, hey, sign this and sign that so you can get another, they're just another number Mm -hmm. for them. But you're actually working with somebody who's caring about your future. So people in the community who have a real connection to the community, who have a real uh, interest in making sure that other people in their community are continuing to do well, uh, you're pairing up those incentives. Exactly. So, you know, what is what is the biggest obstacle? Like, this sounds great. It sounds like it's, you know, like we've got a kind of a new approach, but also using, you know, what we've learned in the past. What do you think the biggest obstacle is over the next two or five years uh, getting stuff, this, uh, getting this kind of stuff done? I think the biggest thing within this space is the political will Hmm. for everybody to come together and say, you know what, this is the way we're going to conquer this problem because everybody has their own interest groups and everything else that's behind it trying to get something done. But instead they see, okay, this one piece here, I don't like that. So I'm going to push it to the side. Mm -hmm. And what we're trying to do is to break down some of that and to say, look, here is a roadmap that has some things from both sides. Really, if you look at all the stuff that's there, Mm -hmm. you know, efficiency audits, let's get more money that people were trying to help. Empowerment accounts, let's get people through the program and reduce some of those benefit cliffs afterwards. And these are big things that I think everyone should be able to get on board with and so we can overcome some of those obstacles for those the political will. Well, Dr. Vanskin, thank you very much for being with us. Again, he is the chief economist at the Texas Public Policy Foundation. To find out more about these issues and the policy roadmap and other policy reforms, you can go to texaspolicy.com and also allianceforopportunity.com. Thank you for listening today. Thanks.